I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm Renee Swanson, and thank you for joining us today. Today's topic is love bombing. Before we get started, let me take just a moment to tell you that I am extending my special for one-on-one sessions with me. In honor of World Narcissistic Abuse Awareness Day, which was back on June 1st, I uh, have been offering individual sessions at $99 for the whole month of June. However, I have decided to extend that into July, so long as you sign up by the end of June. It doesn't matter if the sessions are in July, but you have to register for it before July 1st. To take advantage of this offer, just visit my website at www.covertnarcissism.com. I also want to add that I do have a cover website for those of you who are not safe with uh, covert narcissism appearing on your credit cards and and all of that. So uh, all of my billing does run through CNG Life Coaching. And uh, just so you know that, and CNG stands for Covert Narcissism Group, can also stand for Community and Grace. Now let's get back to today's topic. If you have researched much about covert narcissism, you have probably run into the phrase, love bombing. And I want to talk about this. First of all, what is love bombing? Love bombing is when one person is overly attentive to the other, like absorbed by them and uses this to gain control over the other person and to manipulate them. They will consume you with their love, attention, and affection. However, once you are under their spell, once you have given in to their love bombing, their behavior turns and the devaluing begins. And this cycle of love bombing and devaluing is an integral part of the relationship with a covert narcissist. You see, in the relationship, love bombing can erase weeks or even months of bad behavior. This is the breadcrumbs that we talk about. And and we talk a lot about the ugly side of covert narcissism, the circular conversations, the the blaming, the gaslighting, the projecting, And all of that is, you know, if if that was all we ever got, many of us would have left these relationships far sooner. But the love bombing confuses us greatly. What are some signs of love bombing? Okay, you've got grand romantic gestures, like like a fancy trip, uh, fancy dates, these big romantic gestures. Intense and overwhelming infatuation with the other person. Showering you with compliments and praise, like over the top. Showering you with gifts, extravagant and lavish, or even like just ridiculously corny, but they seem so incredibly thoughtful. Like they paid attention to the tiniest detail of your words, and so it can seem so uh, thoughtful. Extreme behavior to make you feel good, 
validated and loved. Another sign is the constant contact. They want to spend all of their time with you or they text you nonstop. And you can think that, oh man, this is so romantic. They truly love me, but it's overwhelming. Relationships that begin with love bombing, you know, they often, you hear things like it was a magical first connection or he or she swept me off my feet. It was a whirlwind courtship, a picture perfect start. We were together 24 seven, but it was moving too fast and it got too serious too soon. If it feels like a dream come true, a match made in heaven, a fantasy too good to be true, then you might be being love bombed. You see, when you're love bombed, you're put on a pedestal. You are perfect, wonderful. Don't ever change a thing. You are there everything and, and they put you on this pedestal and it can feel absolutely amazing. The beginning of relationships with narcissistic people is often extremely intense uh, the, and just overwhelming with good feelings. Not always, but often. They might say, I don't ever need to talk to other people ever again, only you. You know, my husband told me that his ideal world would be to live on an island, just he and I, and if we have kids, then our kids too. And just us, he didn't need anyone else ever, just us on that island. And I used to think, oh my gosh, I could never do that. I'm a people person. I love to be around people. But that's what he told me. At the time, you know, I even thought, well, it's it's romantic. It's really sweet. He's my knight in shining armor, my prince charming. I think we are, you know, often negatively impacted by the romantic shows that we watch, the fairy tales. And we think that's how it works, that it's amazing and wonderful and that this is what we are seeking. That <clears throat> Prince Charming, that's someone to sweep me off my feet. So when it happens, we don't see it as cause for alarm. We see it as a dream come true. However, you can be on that pedestal, you know, for a while. <clears throat> But at some point, reality is going to set in. It will. Your own humanness will not line up with their grandiose fantasy of you. And you're going to get knocked off that pedestal. I remember the first time I fell off that pedestal. It was when I told him he had toothpaste on his mouth. And if you know my story, you know the situation I'm talking about. It wasn't even an event. It should have been a nothing. But me telling him that he had toothpaste on his mouth was taken as such a bad insult or injury. I was no longer his perfect fantasy. I was no longer worshiping the ground he walked on. His reaction clearly did not match the supposed crime that I had just committed. But I worked hard to get back on that pedestal. I worked hard to become his perfect match again. Little did I know that I would spend most of our marriage working my way back onto that pedestal. Over time, it became impossible to stay on it, and eventually, I didn't even want to climb back on it anymore. Love bombing is not only at the beginning of a relationship, and, and it is often at the beginning of a relationship with a covert narcissist. And again, I will say not always. Not all relationships with covert narcissists start with that intense love bombing. But it happens throughout the relationship as well. After the target, you know, you, the victim, finally gives in to the love bombing and you finally relax into it and just decide to enjoy this lavish attention, the atmosphere changes. Now you are treated with an unexpected contempt, a cold anger, a silent treatment, judgmental attitude. 
And during this time, though, so many victims hang on for those wonderful times of love bombing to return. We make excuses and we just sweep it under the rug and we say, yeah, they're just having a bad day or they're just in a bad mood. And and we wait for that love bombing to return and we do everything we can to put ourselves back in that place. And it does return, you know, and the feeling of relief that it brings that's just incredibly intense. And this can keep you hooked for years and decades. It's a relationship built on extreme ups and downs. Over time, the love bombing, often it becomes less and less intense. And, you know, it might've been at the beginning, you got these wonderful extravagant gifts and now you're 10 years into the marriage and your love bombing gifts are, are smaller things. And eventually, you know, you get, you get something that just, you're thinking, what in the world is this? But, but the love bombing gradually diminishes in intensity. But that by this point in the relationship, you're so hooked, kind of even addicted to that love bombing that you're satisfied with even a breadcrumb. If you missed my episode on breadcrumbs, please go back and take a listen to that because it is a huge part of the relationship with a covert narcissist. This cycle of love bombing and crashing can keep us hooked for you know years and even decades, and it leads to so much confusion, doubt, internal pain, exhaustion. It is a relationship built on trauma, intense pain and hurt, followed by intense love bombing. So how do we tell the difference between love bombing and actual love? You see, in love bombing, one person tries to become the other person's whole world. I will fulfill your every need. You won't need anyone else ever. And they won't say this, but in fact, you won't even need yourself. I will become everything for you. And it seems too good to be true. And I'm going to tell you that's because it is. Victims of love bombing often feel as though they have lost themselves in the relationship. And you do. You do lose yourself. You lose the sense of who you are because you are absorbed by this other person, the covert narcissist. They overwhelm you with constant texting, joining all of your outings, interjecting themselves into every aspect of your life. I remember even the little things got managed for me. You know, how to pack for a trip. We were packing for a trip and I wasn't even allowed to pack my own stuff. No, I got it. I'll do it for you. And if I refused, if I put that boundary up, then he would get all mad and, and kind of huffy with me. And, you know, I'm trying to do this for you. I'm just trying to be sweet and I'll take care of all the packing for you. And so if I try to put that boundary up, I feel like I'm being mean. This is where the boundaries start getting, you know, your ability to have boundaries just start getting stepped on. And it's easy to go, you know, well, it's kind of romantic. It's kind of sweet that he's taking care of all of this. And I do remember having those thoughts too. And so I let him pack for me. But little did I know it meant I was never going to be able to pack for myself again until I finally put that boundary in place. And, uh, and then, of course, it was an injury to his narcissistic ego. Who you go out with, that gets managed for you. For you. you know, I thought it was so romantic that he wanted only to be with me and me only to be with him, but it gets overwhelming. Like I said, they interject themselves into every aspect of your life. You're not allowed to have friendships that are outside of them. You're not allowed to even get together with family members that are outside of them. I remember he even managed how I drive my car. This had to do with the windshield wipers. 
you know, I would run my windshield wipers and, and I would put them on low and maybe it wasn't raining all that hard. And he would tell me, you know, don't put them on low. You need to put them on that intermittent setting because you're going to wear your windshield wipers out too fast. And just, you don't you don't want them to run if the windshield's not more wet than that. And, you know, he said, I'm just helping you so that your windshield wipers will last longer. And at the time I thought, it, you know, okay, that makes sense. And I could fix that and I could adjust that. And I thought he's being considerate. But what I didn't realize until later was now... I could not run my windshield wipers like I always had. I could not run them. I I no longer had a choice. I had to do it his way all the time. It wasn't a suggestion with the freedom to pick as an adult. It was a command that must be followed. But again, we don't realize it at the time. At the time, we think they're being considerate and helpful. But what we don't realize is that little by little, it is erasing our freedom of choice. It makes you more and more reliant on them and less and less reliant on yourself. They become your everything and you become your nothing. You see, actual love does not erase who you are. It gives you the space to become more and more of you while they become more and more of them. Somebody who is not a a narcissist or not a controlling, manipulative, toxic person, they have enough to take care of in their own life. They don't want to run your life too. And instead, you're just partners. You're not threatened by who they are. And you don't feel that they're threatened by who you are. You are given the space to be you. You don't feel consumed by this other person. One of the easiest ways for me to see the difference between love bombing and actual relationship involves my boy's grandparents. You see, my parents have a great relationship with my boys. Uh, My boys enjoy being around them. They have a lot of fun together and they look forward to their visits. They stay home when they're here and they enjoy the time. But whenever my husband's parents were here, that was not true, especially my husband's father, my father-in-law. My boys would disappear when he was around. They find other things to do and they would minimize their time with him. They still minimize their time with him. So I started really looking at the differences in these relationships. You see, with my father-in-law, he made a huge deal out of their time together, a big show of how wonderful it was. We had to go to fancy restaurants or plan a fancy meal and everything had to be just right. We had to make sure that we got pictures together and and these photos, you know, this photo op moment was to prove how wonderful they were. Everyone had to be there for these photo ops and he had to be admired for this great event that we had just experienced. He would just, you know, go on and on about, you know, well, have you just had the most wonderful time? You know, I'm so glad, so glad that you spent this time with me and, and haven't you just been, you know, having a blast and, and he would feed that looking for that admiration. Any hint of dissatisfaction was an injury to that narcissistic ego. However, it was not like this with my parents. It didn't matter where we ate or what we ate. Pictures actually were often forgotten because we were too busy having fun together. They didn't get cards and they didn't expect any admiration. They just wanted to be together. If people wanted to do something, then we did. If anyone wanted to do something by themselves, then they did. It was simply spontaneous life and everyone was allowed to come and go as they please. There's no strings attached. 
The boys are given the freedom to say, hey, I don't really want to do that, whatever it was. And it was not an injury to anyone. And so my boys felt safe to be there, and we just had a good time together. With my parents, we could even do yard work together and make it fun. We didn't need fancy excursions. We went on some, that's true, but it wasn't their way of showing their love. Their way was simply to be present with their grandkids and to give their grandkids the freedom to be themselves. But my my husband's father wasn't like this. Everything had to be, like I said, just right and had to be all these fancy excursions. And one of the things he loved to do was he always would make sure that the boys got cards for like every holiday, every event, every Valentine's Day, even when they were older teenagers. I remember them asking me, why is he sending me Valentine's Day card? This is when they're like 16 to 20 in age. He even sent a card one time on the anniversary of a broken bone that my son had had. He was so focused on sending these cards and and signing them, you know, with so much love, Grandpa, but there was no relationship. My parents often did not get cards for my kids, and yet my boys love the relationship they have with them. It never was about the things, the cards, the gifts, the meals, the trips, the whatever. It was just about them, their time together, the laughter, the genuineness, the freedom. This gave me an insight into the difference between love bombing and actual relationship. You see, the same thing was true with my covert narcissistic husband. All the little things that we did together did not count in his eyes. I guess it just, it didn't count as quality time. It didn't count as time we were spending together. If we sat at home and did a whole lot of nothing, it didn't count as time together. But at least in his eyes, it did in my eyes. Eating a simple meal at home just didn't count. We had to go do something big and fancy. You never do anything with me anymore. And I thought, what do you mean? I'm here at home. I'm watching TV with you. I'm eating dinner with you. I'm having conversation with you, which, okay, that's a whole nother story. But the only things in his eyes that counted were the big fancy excursions. And again, they had to be just right or they were a failure, at least in his eyes. The stuff that counted in his eyes was the love bombing stuff. It was like that was his definition of a good relationship. And it might even have been his definition of love itself. The special restaurants, the photo op moments, the calculated events, the big excursions, the special conversations, like when he'd come in the room and go, okay, now we are having a conversation. None of the in-between stuff mattered. You know, the daily life. The daily conversations. Maybe that's why he was always able to treat us however he chose. Because none of the in-between stuff counted in the quality of our relationship. In his eyes, the entire relationship was built around the love bombing. So the in-between didn't matter. Maybe that's why he always treated us so badly in between. I gave in to this for years. Until I finally didn't buy into it anymore. This is a two-part series, and we are going to pick up on love bombing again next week. Thank you for joining me today. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.